Number seven of A Christmas Miscellany twenty eighteen by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Number seven A Christmas Tree by Sabine Baring Gould. Tom Mount Stephen was dressed in his very best a black coat, a tie of blue satin studded with veritable planets, and in it a new zodiacal sign, a fox in full career that formed the head of a pin tom's collar was so stiffly starched and so high that to turn his head and look over the top of that wall of china was impossible if he desired to see that which lay to his right or left he was compelled to turn his entire body as on a pivot tom was unaccustomed to such a rig out and therefore did not look happy in it tom in his workaday suit of the colour of the earth with a string tied under his knees gathered the trouser together and with a dusty slouch wide awake stuck at the back of his head but on one side of that and with his great honest cheery face ever with a smile on the lips and a dancing light in his eyes thus tom was picturesque delightful but tom in his sunday best did not look at his best the day was christmas eve and there was to be a supper with a dance at the hall given by the squire to his workmen and their families tom was on his way to this with a face that shone with yellow soap and the friction of a rough towel and not only so but he was to attend thither isabella froude the belle of the village and one with whom as every one said he had made it up and a handsome couple they would be bless ye said tom when folks asked him when it would be lor bless ye you know more about it than me go ask bella she may can fix it tain't my place you know and then he laughed and thought he had said a good thing tom Stephen was an active intelligent young fellow serving as undergardener getting a respectable wage and there was positively no reason why he should not marry but he was inert in just this one particular or unable to make up his mind isabella was three years his junior with a very delicate skin and lovely rosy complexion fair hair and forget-me-not blue eyes somewhat doll-like save in this that a doll is never self-conscious and self-consciousness spoke out of every look of bella's eyes every turn of her head every motion of her body but was she to be blamed i think not the squire always had a pleasant word to give her the young ladies at the hall made much of her every one with one voice declared that she was a beauty and the pride of the village under such circumstances she must have been endowed with unusual common sense and strength of character not to have become vain and self-satisfied bella lived at the lodge and it was her practice to open the gates when carriages drove up and on such occasions she was quite aware that the ladies and above all the gentlemen looked at her and when immediately after passing she saw them turn to each other and say something then she was confident that they said what a pretty girl and being obliged to keep herself neat and nicely dressed did much towards making her attractive it was understood or half understood that tom would call at the lodge on his way to the hall and pick up isabella and go on with her it was in this way the day before tom had said to her more wonderful thing mayhap bell than that i should come and fetch you away to the hall to-morrow and then you'll give me the first dance and five arter 
well i'm sure i don't mind she had replied and so it was understood that he should go for her and that she should expect him why whatever you be about polly exclaimed tom mount stephen as he called upon a tall pale girl with pick and spade over her shoulder that girl was mary Maudie, who lived with a frail suffering little sister in a cottage and supported herself by needlework and starching and washing she had been a teacher in the school but had been compelled to resign owing to her sister's health these two were together and they were orphans the child could not be left why tom how fine you be where you be going to that was the way in the country a question begets another before it is answered i be going to the hall there's grand goings on there to-night so i've heard but i didn't mind it and i reckon that bella will be there too er certain but what are you about with pick and shovel i'd like for to know well if you must know everything tom it's for little bess not going to dip a grave tom would have bitten his tongue out he was mad with himself for uttering such a question it had bounced out of his mouth without thought and now he saw the colour rush into mary's face her eyes fill and her lips tremble oh hang me for an idiot said tom i mean it it's just my ways paul i want to say something smart and just say the wrong thing always but what be about with them tools well it's this tom i thought i'd give little bessie a christmas tree i've got a few trifles to hang on it some oranges and nuts and a needle-case and so and i got mrs wanacott to come in for an hour and sit with she whilst i went to the plantation after a tree the squire gave me leave she added in explanation and self-exculpation my dear heart live you don't want a pick and spade for getting up a young spruce you want the chopper or a little handsaw i don't wish to kill the tree i thought if i get her up by the roots i could plant her again in the garden and she'd grow up to a big tree and it'd be something to look at every year growing bigger what size tree do you want not such a terrible big one just middlin like i can't have her too small as i ain't got no tapers like the tiny red and yeller and green uns they had up to the parsonage last christmas i've only got bits of common candle ends and they'd be too heavy for a mite of a tree how will you bring back your tree in the moors roots mary with soil and pick all together well i reckon i can make two journeys you can't make two for the tree mary stood silent i tell you what i'll do polly i'll off with this dratted collar and put aside my new coat and away with you to the plantation if you go and mistake and have up a deodora or a douglas instead of spruce the squire'll kick and scream oh you're too kind tom but you'll be late for the entertainment ah oh, that's nothing not two minutes she'll wait he did not explain but polly understood that she signified bella but she did not know that it had been understood that tom was to fetch the pretty girl from the lodge i dare say you'll let me put my coat in that dratted collar in your cottage lord polly i'm like a donkey in a pound when i've got that collar on jumping up and down and trying to look over the wall and clear it if i can a couple of minutes later tom divested of collar and coat with pick and spade over his shoulder was attending mary modit when the head gardener passed he was a scotchman and a widower a man of much self-confidence and independence what off mr Stephen? the gardener addressed his subordinates with a mister it made himself more important marked the distance between them more emphatically yes mr mcsweeney just to take up a young spruce for she ta ta said the scotchman condescendingly and passed on 
he'd been a bit stuffy with me said tom confidingly to his companion what's all about i can't tell perhaps he guesses i knows too much but lor i'm not one to blab perhaps he's a little jealous said mary slyly folks do say he has been thinking about bella but there tain't no good dreamin' o' goin' against you tom i don't have no need to them tales people will talk besides if he were lookin' out for a missus mcsweeney i reckon he'd go after widders ain't he a widderer himself well, that don't follow said mary don't it then it art retorted tom there don't be snuffy with me said mary the getting up of a suitable tree and its transport to the cottage of the Mauduis was not a matter of two minutes nor of half an hour tom was aware that isabella would have been kept waiting but he relieved his mind with the consideration that she would take it for granted that he was detained by some business and would walk on alone to the hall the distance was trifling he could explain matters when he arrived and she would at once understand the circumstances i don't see how you're going to stick them candle ends onto the branches said tom i shall heat hairpins and run em through that's fine exclaimed mount stephen derisively and when the candles be burnin the flame will heat the hairpins red hot and they'll melt the composite and there'll be a pretty mess and the candle ends falling about on all sides and firin everything i hope you're insured oh, i can manage it no you can't excuse me polly i reckon mother at home got some bits of tapers from the parsonage tree last year her was up there helpin and they throwed the tree away when done with and her's a seven woman and can't abide no waste and i know her pulled off and kept the remains of candles they have wires for handlin of them on if you don't mind my leavin that collar here you won't let nothin damage it nor let the cat get at it will you polly i'll run home and see what mother have got i couldn't run in that collar it would be sheer impossible so instead of going on to the hall here was another detention but tom was a good-natured lad he was not needed at the hall and here at the cottage he was of real assistance after the young man had been away nearly a quarter of an hour he returned with a small box full of portions of tapers and some entire and sundry little sparkling ornaments that had furnished the tree the preceding christmas and had been cast aside but saved by the prudent and frugal mrs monstephen and here polly said tom here's a spotted dog in china as stood on my mantel-shelf that little bessie be welcome to you can set it under the tree now i'll clap the tree moors into a tub and then i'm off to the hall when tom reinvested in collar and coat arrived at the lodge and inquired for isabella he learned which did not much surprise him that she had gone forward so he went to the hall by himself not greatly concerned at being late he knew that all who were invited would not be able to arrive punctually there would be two sittings down to supper and he would be in time for the second when he arrived he looked about him for isabella and saw her seated beside the scotch gardener who was helping her to trifle with a little difficulty he made his way behind the chairs and in and out among the servants who were waiting on the guest to where isabella was dipping into the trifle so sorry bella i couldn't help it said he oh delicious said bella oh beg your pardon i was speaking to mr mcsweeney i only want to say i was unavoidably detained the jam is strawberry said bella whole strawberries from our own garden said mcsweeney 
i'm very fond of strawberries observed bella so am i said the scotch gardener have some more i'll remember you in the strawberry time and send you up the first dish i ripen course i'll ripen em early in the greenhouse you shall have some as soon as they're fit to be picked how good of you mr mcsweeney not at all i live but to oblige and you he looked round at her for you i would do anything bella said tom over her chair i, I really could not help it uh, will you please to move mr monstephen you are jogging my chair do you like grapes asked mcsweeney i rather flatter myself on my grapes i am able to keep them too so well my large white muscats but there you shall have some i'll send you up a really choice bunch i think the second sitters down are coming in now miss isabella if you have done we will rise and let the others take our places here you mont stephen can have my seat if you've brought mary Madweed, i have no doubt she can have miss frode's chair poor tom did not enjoy his supper and that over when he sought isabella to tender his excuses she deliberately turned her back on him it was clear mcsweeney had made mischief he had told her that for the sake of that pale polly Madui, he had neglected to fulfil his engagement and keep his appointment dancing began and bella sat out with the scotch gardener who was too serious a man to approve of the light fantastic toe as he explained to bella it was against his principles but don't let that interfere with your enjoyment if you wish to go to mr Stephen. oh not at all said miss froude huffed hurt poor tom withdrew he slunk away from the hall among so many he would not be missed and of enjoyment there was none after his rebuff it would madden him to see how bella carried on with the scotchman he walked through the park groaning grumbling resentful he was not angry with himself for not keeping his appointment nor with polly for having detained him but with bella whom he designated as a minx and with mcsweeney whom he termed a withered scottish rogue he left the park he walked hastily on then finding that in the agitation of his feelings he could not keep his head in one position and that he was consequently liable to cut his throat he halted and took off his collar and fastened it by the stud round his left arm above the elbow presently he reached the cottage of the Mautuites, and he could see through the little window that the tree was alight it twinkled through the panes the temptation to turn aside rap at the door and enter was not to be resisted to his knock he received an answer as he opened the door the answer came from an inner room it be i polly called tom just passin i want to see how bessie be enjoyin' of herself come in come in tom the young man strode through the kitchen into the adjoining chamber there lay in her bed the sick girl a lovely child with large burning dark eyes and a hectic flame in her cheeks she was supported in the arms of her sister and was looking with delight at the little candles at the oranges and the glittering tin ornaments tom said mary bessie do thank you for the spotted dog yes i do said the sick child striving to lift herself and extend a hand to the young gardener but gracious me tom exclaimed mary whatever is the meaning of that pointing to the white band round his arm it is like what folks put on now when in mourning only it's white he's going to be married said the sick child 
it is only that stiff collar i could not bear it no longer exclaimed tom then the child laughed and laughed till she coughed suddenly mary uttered a cry tom saw a crimson stream run run tom for heaven's sake run for the doctor and tom ran in half an hour he returned polly was kneeling by the bed on it lay the child the face almost white but yet with a little colour in the delicate cheek her hand held tightly that of her sister the doctor had not come he was out would not be back till morning tom could not explain this and he knew moreover that the surgeon could effect nothing without a word he knelt also by the child's bedside the candles were quivering to extinction on the christmas tree one was guttering and sending a stream of wax over the head of the spotted dog then another fell twinkling through the boughs and went out and at the same time the light went out in bessie's eyes a few days later when the earth had closed over the child tom was speaking with mary and she said to him tom i think now i should like that christmas tree be planted on the little maid's grave will you oblige me by doing it then after wiping her eyes tom that is a tree of death the head gardener triumphantly carried away bella the marriage took place within six weeks of the christmas supper and dance isabella froude had become mrs sandy mcsweeney and was planted in the gardener's beautiful cottage but in all things human there comes a change within a very short time certain matters started to light what these were you shall hear from the squire's own lips as he addressed tom on stephen tom said the squire his broad rosy face very hot and agitated tom i've bundled mcsweeney off i don't see why i should have to buy the fruit i grow from the greengrocer in our market town i don't see why if i purchase bulbs and greenhouse plants they should invariably disappear and be reported to have died i don't see why if i buy flower seeds they should come up in other folks gardens i have not been able to get fruit for my table without sending to town to buy it i have been ruined in procuring vast supplies of choice plants from nurserymen and have not enjoyed them mcsweeney is off hang it you may not be a professional and a one and all that but you are honest as daylight i feel i can trust you and dash my buttons there is the situation vacant for you if you choose to have it and there is the cottage the only disadvantage is that it is too large for you and you are unmarried oh as to that sir that is easily remedied i be just now on my way to the parson to get him to have marry me as next sunday marry marry who marry Matui, sir oh oh i wish you joy an excellent girl there it is for you the house tom you and mary shall go into it as soon as i have seen the back of mcsweeney and isabella and have had it whitewashed and hang it tom here come round to my study and i'll give you a check for ten pounds towards the furnishing oh i thank you sir i thank you with all my heart no need of thanks tom bless my soul when a master has a trustworthy honest servant it is he who is to be counted lucky and unless he is an ass he will keep him there come round to the study and now nearly two years have passed and this time we see a little party coming out of the church porch 
as i live it is tom with mary no longer maudui but mont stephen but they are not alone there is a baby in a long white robe being brought forth a babe that had been carried into church to be christened as mary stood in the autumn sunlight outside the porch she touched tom's arm and said let us go to little bessie's grave and they went and the baby was taken there also over the drooping grass wet with autumn rains the poor little christmas tree said mary although a tree of death lives see how hearty it appears it is no tree of death answered tom see here is the first fir cone it is alive and bears seed it is no tree of death but a tree of life and then tom laughed mary said he i think for once in my life i've said a good thing but mary did not applaud tom do you think the little fir cone really has life in it of course it has mary picked it and then put it into the tiny hand of the baby look tom she said but for that christmas tree you and i would never have become what we are to each other and now in it is the seed of life and so on and on and on forevermore our baby has it and it shall be sown and so really tom there seems to be no end to life it goes on forever and forever amen responded tom End of A Christmas Tree by Sabine Baring Gould